Uh, The reading of the Scriptures from Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31. I invite your reverent attention and hearing in faith uh, God's Word uh, from Acts chapter 4. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. It's very interesting uh, to... um... Uh, sometimes uh, look at the different ways that churches uh, try to uh, provoke uh, the worship of God. Uh, because here, uh, here in our text this morning, there is a very beautiful picture of uh, uh, how the church worships God. Uh, and, and it is the simplicity of the theology that, that drives uh, their corporate worship, as well as their witness. Uh, we typically don't I think in those terms, uh, lots of times people don't want to engage theology. They think it's divisive and will harm the church and on and on. They wring their hands. But when you look at uh, Acts chapter 4, it's the theology that's driving uh, the unity and the worship of uh, the gathering of God's people here uh, in this text. Uh, So we should uh, ponder uh, in our own lives the fact that what should drive our worship and our witness is the theology that we extract from the majesty of the Word of God. Well, the the setting is unique. Uh, The uh, apostles have been released from the Supreme Court. Uh, That will always uh, not always be the case, uh, but here it is the case. And they respond in prayer by acknowledging the blessings of the Creator who makes resistance futile. Uh, and in asking for boldness and witness. Uh, so in verses uh, 23 to 28, uh, we observe the apostolic company acknowledging the blessings of the Creator, the sovereign Creator, the theology of uh, who God is. Upon release, uh, they report to the church. Uh, verse 24, they they pray in praise. Uh, so it's... Uh, Engagement of worship based upon who God is. Uh, Verse 24 is literally they lifted up a voice to God. It's interesting that the the direct object of what they're lifting up, voice, 
uh, is in the singular, while the verbs are plural. Uh, it indicates to me a unity of act and theology because uh, most likely uh, only one of the apostles is praying. We can't, can't prove that, but uh, just surmise that one of the apostles is praying, but the entire company is so united with the content of the prayer that they lift up one voice. Uh, there is a confirmation of that in the adverb, one, one accord. We've seen this uh, word a number of times already in the book of Acts. Uh, the word is literally one passion or uh, one mind, indicating their unanimity. What a beautiful picture of uh, the unity of the church based upon who God is as sovereign creator. Theology driving their unity, uh, driving their worship. Uh, we might just reconnect with that. Acts chapter 2 and uh, verse 46. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. So continuing, uh, uh, verse 46, with, with one mind. Uh, it's almost an anomaly uh, in our culture. There's disunity seemingly everywhere, certainly, certainly in churches, but it should not uh, be so in our own midst. Uh, because of who God is and His majesty that drives uh, our own unanimity. Uh, of course, uh, their unity is a, a work of uh, the presence of the Spirit. That's uh, very, very important. I, mean, I don't hand out a checklist for you to engage in unity. It's just simply the work of the Spirit. Uh, so there's a manifest uh, dependence in the church on the Spirit to work unity knowing that the forces of disunity are always present, always forces seeking to tear us apart. Uh, but we must uh, remain one, and it is the Spirit uh, and the product of the new creation uh, who engages that oneness. Uh, beautiful applications to how we should pray. Uh, the Spirit to work, uh, to engage our own uh, worship, our own unity, uh, focus upon the centrality of the majesty of God. Uh, but I would bring to you the, the notion that the content of the prayer uh, is more significant than the praise. It's really the driver of the praise, namely the content of the prayer. Uh, we, 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 we must always recover that. If we engage in the praise of God, but the content is uh, disconnected with Scripture, uh, we're not praising God. We may be acting some foolish part, but we're not praising God. Because the content here uh, is driven by Scripture, driven by theology. Uh, and that, I commend to you, is much more significant than the praise itself. Uh, the content of uh, the prayer or the worship is twofold. Uh, comes from the Scripture itself. So they're going to praise God after the words of God. They're going to thank God's thoughts after God Himself. Uh, the first quotation, if you have your Old Testament, is uh, from Psalm 146. Again, it's quoted uh, almost uh, uh, verbatim, uh, Acts 4, but Psalm 146, the first part of verse 6. Who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Uh, it's the theology of God as Creator. Fundamental uh, to the sovereignty of God is uh, God is Creator. He creates. 
by himself. Uh, he doesn't uh, go secure workers. He speaks and things happen. Uh, God creates uh, the universe. Uh, that theology, of course, is uh, turned on its head in uh, most uh, of uh, the academy in our own culture today, but uh, that's their faith. It's not science, it's their faith. Our faith is God is the creator, the sovereign creator. It's interesting that the context of Psalm 146 is the praise of God followed uh, by two reasons. The first reason is in verses uh, 3 to the first part of verse 6, uh, and it's engaged in our prayer of Acts chapter 4. That we can bless God because He is our help and we can hope in Him. Uh, and this is because, because He's the sovereign Creator. It's really the only reason that drives us to pray. If God wasn't the sovereign Creator, why would we pray? Why would we bless Him? Why would we worship Him? If He was a lesser being than how He's portrayed in Holy Scripture. Again, that's the driver of the prayer. It's the driver of the praise, who God is, the sovereign Creator. Uh, more importantly, the psalmist is telling us, if you look at verse 3, not to trust in princes for salvation. Do not trust in princes and mortal man in whom there is no salvation. All of our culture, almost all of our culture, is driven in the fact that uh, the programs of men will cause salvation. They manifestly cannot. We must trust God. Uh, we must uh, uh, rivet our focus and our attention upon Him as the sovereign Creator and who sovereignly gave us physical life, but who sovereignly gives us spiritual life. Uh, I speculate uh, the content of Psalm 146 uh, was important to the psalmist. And again, this is only my speculation. Uh, it's because the Sanhedrin tied to buy their silence was some type of promise. Uh, I think there's uh, evidence in the New Testament that uh, the Sanhedrin tried to buy Jesus off, and he, of course, refused uh, their overture. And the apostles do likewise. My speculation, not in the text, uh, but it's the way of power structures. Uh, if you're contrary to us, we'll try to buy you off. If we can't buy you off, we'll destroy you. That's what they did to Jesus. That's what they're going to try to do to the church, but they are not able. Uh, it's a reminder to us that the world wants your silence, and you must not give it. We are to witness because God is the sovereign creator. Uh, he controls our witness, the message. He controls the content, the scriptures. Uh, he controls every event of our witness. And if he wills to bless it, he will. Uh, and if he wills to do otherwise, uh, he will so do otherwise. Uh, because of who He is. The Creator of heaven and earth. The majesty of God is the sovereign Creator. Uh, and if God creates, He's sovereign. He's in control. Uh, so the apostles uh, in the prayer in the church of Acts 4 uh, are uh, acknowledging uh, that their witness was uh, in God's hands as they stood before the Supreme Court or the Sanhedrin, uh, both in the healing power of the lame man and in the outcome of, uh, of the court. Uh, and again, I remind you, the outcome will not always be positive. But what is always positive is God is the sovereign creator. 
Uh, even when things turn against us, God is the sovereign creator. Even when we wish and pray otherwise, God is the sovereign creator. And, and, and so it is that we trust him, and so it is that we acknowledge his sovereignty, and we know that he knows uh, what is uh, best to advance his kingdom and witness and the glory of his son. The apostles know that. Uh, of course, uh, we must as well. Uh, uh, the apostles, of course, uh, uh, know that the outcome will not always be positive. And I recall uh, to, to your mind uh, the words of our Savior in Luke 9. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Uh, so the cross uh, becomes uh, our witness, uh, and uh, it is hostile to the world. Yet we must bear it and carry it, deny ourselves. Now, why must we do that? Because there's one sovereign. One, but one. It is the Lord God. Uh, so again, God is in control of every outcome and worthy of our trust. And as Creator, He preserves and sustains His creatures. That's why the, the church is gathered in Acts 4. They are acknowledging that God has preserved and sustained uh, the two apostles. And uh, will do so however uh, the outcome uh, becomes manifest. And that's, uh, that's fundamental. Fundamental for us as a church. I would, uh, would give you this illustration that uh, it's so important that we remind ourselves uh, uh, God will turn the lights out of His physical creation because He's in control. Uh, we won't turn the lights out. Many people affirm that. We're running out of this and running out of that. We're destroying the created order. Oh, woe is me. I mean, fundamentally, that theology is an illustration that God is not sovereign because there is no God. Uh, that our destiny is in our hands. That's laughable. That's contrary to Psalm 146 and Acts chapter 4. Uh, God will turn the lights out. Uh, rest assured. Uh, and he can preserve and keep his... Uh, his, his creation, because he created it, and he's in control over it, in every aspect of it. Uh, I love uh, I love the second reason to praise God in Psalm 146, uh, because uh, if you look back at this last phrase of verse six, uh, second reason to praise God, Psalm 146, who keeps faith forever. He, he is the one, literally, is, he is the one guarding, guarding or keeping uh, faithfulness forever. Uh, it means that we can rely on him. When, when the storm clouds uh, come in our lives, as they certainly will, we can rely upon him. He is guarding the truth and guarding faithfulness. Uh, he represents permanence. Uh, he is unstoppable. Men fade and die. Their ideas come and go. God does not. He is on station forever without end. Preserving and protecting His witness. Uh, and uh, very interesting in this prayer, God is addressed in verse 24 as, uh, as uh, master. A word that's often used in the New Testament of the uh, slave-master relationship but it is as strong an attestation 
of the sovereignty and the providence of God as there is in all of the scripture. Uh, the Greek word is that from which we have our English word despot. Uh, but to us it turns in a, in a very positive way while the word despot is very pejorative. Uh, it's that God is our master. It's why, it's why we praise him uh, because of uh, his sovereignty. And again, the predicate nominative is God is creator. Beautiful illustration of this, uh, just to turn to, uh, to another scripture. Uh, Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning. You and I know that's a merism. He declares everything in between. Declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. All my good pleasure. And thus we have the majesty of the worship of the church in Acts 4. Praising God because uh, He is the sovereign creator. Uh, and in this particular occasion, uh, the Supreme Court has uh, set uh, the apostolic uh, company free. The second element of the content of the praise is a quotation from uh, Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Uh, Isn't it interesting that uh, uh, the, uh, the church is praising God, simply regurgitating Scripture back to God? Uh, and that's how theology is formed, from the words of Scripture. And uh, it's that which drives us to God. Uh, theology is the driver of uh, the worship and the witness. Uh, again, verse, verse 25 and... Uh, 26 is a quotation from uh, uh, Psalm uh, 2, verses 1 and 2. Uh, the context of Psalm 2 is uh, the uh, uh, presumed threat to the Davidic rule. Uh, David is king. Uh, some people are threatening his rule. And uh, God addresses the opposition in verses 1 and 2. Let's, uh, let's, let's recite uh, God's address to the opposition. Why are the nations in an uproar and the people devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand, the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed. I mean, that, that, that frames, uh, that frames uh, uh, the antagonists uh, in, a, in a very majestic way because they are against God and against God's anointed. My friend, that's dangerous ground, and they're on dangerous ground. Uh, the interrogative speaks to the folly of insurrection. It's almost like, really? Uh, you're going to devise a plot against the sovereign creator and think you're going to be successful? <laughs> it is laughable uh, because uh, it's the folly of humankind thinking they, they can overrule the sovereign creator. Uh, they want to depose David, uh, and God has appointed David on the throne. Uh, so their plans will come to nothing because God rules and His will is supreme and His will is unstoppable. Uh, in, in, in verses uh, 4 to 9 of Psalm 2, heaven responds. Uh, I love the response. God laughs. Uh, 
not a literal action of God, uh, but it captures uh, the folly of uh, the insurrection, the antagonist. Uh, and, then, and then God tells them of his decree, which includes the installation of his regent. Uh, and then uh, Psalm uh, concludes in verses 10 to 12 with an exhortation to wisdom. Uh, uh, be wise, uh, kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. Uh, all over the world, uh, men are plotting to unseat the Messiah. Uh, this word of God bids them to kiss the son lest he be angry uh, and, and they perish, which is what will become of all of God's uh, antagonists. Uh, the use here in uh, uh, Acts 4 is typological because the greater fulfillment is in Christ. He's the greater Davidic messianic king. He is on the Davidic throne. Uh, he is uh, king and his kingdom through the apostles is advancing in unstoppable dominion. Uh, the correspondence is also that the antagonists, uh, which include the Roman rulers of Herod, Pilate, the Gentiles, and verse 27, the people of Israel. The latter is very significant because the one-time people of God are now aligned against God uh, and are numbered among the enemy. Uh, uh, but David tells us, as uh, was the case in his day, that resistance is futile. Uh, the opposition will fail because of who God is. Not because of David, because who God is. That God is sovereign, uh, and that theology is driving uh, the worship and the witness of the church and driving uh, David to write Psalm 2 uh, and uh, holding David fast in the midst of opposition. Uh, it's what should hold us fast when we encounter opposition because things are not out of control. They're in control. Uh, and God is advancing His purposes from beginning to end. So the praise of the apostolic company or church is acknowledging that they are aligned with God in the winning side. And all throughout the rest of Acts, we're going to watch the opposition grow in ferocity and intensity. And what will the church do? Give up? Throw up? No. Continue faithful. Why is that? Because of the theology of God. Because God is sovereign, they will continue faithful in their witness and continue to praise God. Uh, notice, notice in Acts 4 the stark description uh, of the antagonist, verse 28. Uh, the subject, of course, is uh, God to do whatever thy hand and thy purpose predestined to occur. The crucifixion of Christ, opposition to the messianic ruler was predestined. It was the will of God. Uh, even though it was executed by uh, a company of evil men, uh, it was the will of God. Uh, they accomplished the designs of God even though their acts were evil. So the majesty of who God is. That He can use evil to accomplish the greatest glory and good. I would remind you, you and I cannot do that. We cannot use evil to accomplish good. Only God can do that. 
and he can do it because of who he is, the sovereign, majestic, Lord of creation, uh, to do whatever thy hand uh, predestined to occur. Uh, by the way, it's a parallel to another encounter. If you go back a couple of chapters, uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 23. Uh, this man, namely Jesus, delivered up by the predetermined. But notice that word predetermined. Plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. Uh, they crucified the Savior, but God uh, used it to advance his eternal purposes. Uh, the literary device is what? Irony. Irony. They meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That God used their evil to accomplish good. God can do that. Why is that? Because he's a God of total providence. He's in control of everything, even the actions of evil men. Uh, it's, it's incredible, but it's a theology of the New Testament. Uh, that God predestines all things for his glory, even evil. And he uses evil uh, to advance his worship and his witness. It's a great attestation of the majesty of Scripture. No human being could frame such theology. But God does. Uh, the writers of the Scriptures. Uh, it's pure and simple, of course. Uh, God's ordination of all things. God decreeing all things. Meaning what? He's sovereign. He orders. He's the author of every event. Uh, he's the ultimate cause of all things. Having predestined all things for His glory. I love that theology because it means that nothing's out of control. It appears out of control to me. I encounter opposition. You think, well, things are out of control. Well, it may be to me, but not to God. So I can rest and worship God because of the truth of the majesty of the theology, of who God is. Uh, that theology should drive us to comfort when we encounter opposition. Uh, should also drive us to praise and witness because that's what's occurring here. Uh, by application, the arrest of the apostles, of course, was in accord uh, with uh, the decrees of God, uh, meaning that God will use the opposition to further His purposes. Pure and simple, the sovereignty of God over evil. And the church is praising God for it. Again, the application is, uh, is that you and I can rest in peace and trust God. Uh, because He is always guarding the truth and the witness. Always. Always on station. Never takes leave. Never takes holiday. Never goes uh, to use uh, the vacation days that we seemingly presume to give Him. Uh, because He's the sovereign Creator. Uh, and... And opposition should not deter us. Uh, so that's the, uh, 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 the prayer that is really a prayer of praise based upon the theology of who God is. Uh, in verses 29 to 31, uh, the, uh, the church is going to petition God. Uh, so from praise, they turn to petition God. They're going to ask Him, uh, for uh, certain things. 
So a way, for example, that we could uh, form our own prayer life. Uh, we should uh, praise God, think of thoughts uh, after Him, acknowledge uh, all of His wonderful attributes and what they mean. Uh, and uh, in praying in such a way, our heart will be uh, garrisoned in peace and comfort, uh, knowing that the will of God will be done. The apostles here are not teaching us to pray, but it could be a majestic teaching event. Uh, telling God his uh, theology after the theology that we gain from his very word. But let's look at the petition, verses 29 to 31. The context of the petition is very important. It engages the threats of the Sanhedrin, or the Supreme Court, as I like to call it. Uh, if you look at verse 18 of chapter 4, they summoned them and they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Um, I'm sure some of you, various occasions, have been in a human courtroom. I'm always amazed that there's one person in charge, and that's the judge. Uh, they're standing before this human court a bunch of judges, but God is in charge. And so uh, they cannot obey this Supreme Court because of who God is. Look at verse 21. And when they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis to, basis to punish them on account of the people because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. So they threatened them. Speak no more in the name of Jesus. Those threats will, will increase in the book of Acts. Uh, they will increase in the world in which we live. I can't tell you the particular venue that they're going to come from. I just know it's the reality of the end time opposition. They will spew forth threats. What should fix us in the midst of those threats? The theology of God is the sovereign creator. Thinking God's thoughts after Him from Scripture. Uh, the providence of God. Uh, that theology should drive us uh, here it drives uh, the church uh, uh, to make a petition. First, they ask God to take note of the threat. Uh, and in light of uh, the danger, they ask God to give that they might speak His word with all boldness. Verse 29. Let's, let's reread the text. And now, Lord, take note of their threats. But with respect to us, I might interject. Grant that thy bondservants may speak thy word with all boldness or confidence. Uh, so think of what's occurred here. There's a prayer. Theology derives the praise. And now the prayer is going to turn to a petition. And theology is going to drive the petition. Give us boldness that we might continue to witness. That's the petition. Uh, in other words, they're being threatened by a very powerful entity, but they cannot obey uh, the, pe the petition of the Supreme Court. They must continue to witness. Uh, it's very important. Theology should drive our witness. Uh, we need this prayer today. Uh, I think sometimes the uh, world, maybe friends, maybe a boss, maybe your biology teacher, uh, if you're engaged in a public academy somewhere sometime, uh, would uh, try to get you to turn away from God. 
turn away from witness. We cannot because of who God is. Uh, it's a prayer we need today. Lord, help us to be bold in our witness. By the way, why can we be bold in our witness? Because of who God is. He's sovereign. So He's going to control the events. Uh, he's going to control the outcome. Uh, I understand sometimes we're weak and fickle. I am, maybe you're not. Uh, we get easily intimidated and uh, we have an element of Christian virtue in our heart which uh, teaches us to be non-confrontational. Well, be that as it may, we are to be bold and we are to witness the majesty of who God is. Uh, contemporary with this request is God's power to heal by means of uh, signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. Uh, but again, God must grant power to advance witness. We are God's witnesses on this earth. We are God's priests upon this earth. Uh, we're to carry forth His witness. Uh, the witness is the name of Jesus Christ and all that that means. Uh, absent His power, we will retreat. And that's why we need to pray uh, uh, God's thoughts after Him to give us boldness and witness. Uh, I'm not suggesting we... Uh, we shouldn't take time to pray about perhaps witnessing to someone or pray that God would frame the times and the events, uh, that God would uh, perhaps uh, open a door, uh, create an opportunity. All of those things, of course, engage our witness, but uh, disregarding all of that momentarily, uh, we are witnesses. That's who we are. And we are who we are because God created us. Not just the created order, but He created the church. And the church is to witness. Uh, so there's a direct uh, connection here between their witness and the sovereignty of God. Uh, you, uh, by the way, in terms of application, if you vacate the sovereignty of God in your witness, uh, you may create uh, converts, but they won't be God's converts. They'll be yours. And they will eventually fall away. Uh, that's why we must remember who God is. Proclaim His uh, sovereign majesty. Declare His message and not ours. Sometimes the church says, well, God is His message and it's not working, so let's, let's help Him out. Let's create our own message and maybe that will help God out. Create some converts. And that's all they're doing is creating their own converts and not divine converts. God is the sovereign uh, creator of spiritual life. We're simply the messengers as His witnesses. Declare the truth. If God, witness, if God wishes to bless it with salvation, so be it. If He wishes to do otherwise, so be it. Uh, he's in charge. He's the master of the event. And that's why we can declare the witness with boldness. Uh, and the witness is the Word. The Word about Jesus. Uh, interestingly, here God answers the prayer. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered uh, together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak the Word of God with boldness. So they pray for witness. They pray for boldness, and God answers it. Uh, these are the types of prayers that uh, God will always answer. Uh, I'm not unmindful that we need to pray for many things in our lives. Uh, 
for health, for the ability to provide for our families and for uh, jobs, and all of those things are worthy objects of prayer. But here, its focused, its central measure is the witness of the church in boldness, and God answers it uh, by the Spirit. Uh, the, uh, the place was shaken. Uh, this word shaken is often uh, used uh, in the sense of visible signs of the divine presence uh, and judgment. An illustration of this is uh, Exodus 19.18. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked violently. Greek translation of the Old Testament, the shaking, the mountain was shaking. Here, where they are, the place was shaken. Uh, the presence of God. Uh, so that uh, some of the content of our prayers and witness is, again, for God to be present. Uh, I pray that prayer virtually every Sunday before I come to church. Uh, you know my, my prayer, because I've told it to you often. God, I'm going to be present, but that's not the issue. Who cares whether I'm going to be present or not? All of us only care that you're present. Uh, and again, the shaking is figure of speech. Mountains don't literally shake. Uh, but it was uh, such a notion of the violence of the presence of God uh, because of who He was, His majestic holiness. Here, uh, the same God. Uh, the place was shaken. Uh, Secondly, they were filled with the Spirit. It's a continuation of the event of, uh, of chapter 2. Uh, it's an essential to effective witness. God be present in your spirit as I speak with my neighbor, with my colleague, uh, as I uh, perhaps give a witness in speech class, whatever venue comes. Uh, just realize God is there. Uh, God must uh, be the subject of the witness. He drives the content. Uh, he controls uh, every event of the outcome. Nothing is by chance. Uh, I will even tell you in witness, you cannot even make a mistake. You may say, just, well, I flubbed that. Well, if God was there, it's in his hands. Uh, because he's in control. It's not to say we shouldn't be good students, but I understand. Uh, driving reality of the majesty of God. Maybe sometimes after you've went, you say, oh my gosh, I wish I'd have shared this verse. Well, God wanted you to share that verse. You'd have put it on your heart and you'd have shared it. Uh, he's present. He's alive. He's active. That boldness of who he is what, is what should drive our content, our praise, and of course, our witness. Uh, and that's essential to effective witness. Uh, may the Spirit of God bless what I'm about to do, Lord. Uh, and if you're going to witness... Uh, I can assure you He will bless it. Uh, either for ruin or restoration, but nonetheless, uh, He is at work because He's the sovereign Creator. Uh, lastly, uh, the answer to the prayer is they, they kept on speaking. Very interesting, if you, uh, if you look at uh, uh, your own Bible, I'm reading from the New American Standard, uh, they began to speak. The word began is uh, not in the Greek text. Uh, it's a valid interpretation of the Greek text, but I think it's an error. Uh, 
I think a better translation is they kept on speaking. Uh, because that's the point of who God is. The content of the theology, the content of the praise, the content of the prayer. Uh, what do you do with your witness? You keep on. You don't stop. You're not intimidated. Uh, so they keep on engaging their identity as witnesses of the Lord God. Uh, it's, uh, it's who we are. We're God's witnesses. What ought we to be doing? Keep on proclaiming the witness, the content which is divine. Uh, Jesus Christ is the only Redeemer. So the apostolic company was unshakable in its resolve to proclaim the name of Jesus for salvation. And we will trace that theme to the rest of the book of Acts. We will trace opposition and we will trace faithful witness. Uh, the message shouts at us. We will encounter opposition. How should we respond? Keep on proclaiming the witness of Jesus Christ as Redeemer. Uh, it's very interesting as well in this text, uh, what did they keep on? Uh, again, New American Standard, to speak the Word of God. Speaking the Word of God. Uh, that's the essence of proclaiming the witness of God. Uh, that's the primary means God uses to advance the witness, the Word of God. Uh, the church can try myriads of solutions to advance its praise and worship services. Uh, I would recommend what's here, the Word of God. The Word of God. We continue to speak the Word of God. It's the uh, content of our witness. Uh, we uh, speak of this uh, uh, as church people in terms of the sufficiency of Scripture. The Scripture is sufficient. It's what we should be about. It's what we should be doing. I, mean, I know we all get sometimes desperate and we think, man, if we just had a new form of music, if we had uh, different this and different that. Well, uh, the apostolic company in Acts 2 and Acts 4 is not having those thoughts. They simply continue speaking the Word of God with boldness. But let that define us. Uh, the Scriptures are sufficient. Now, we would pray for effective witness that they would be efficient, that they would cause life. Uh, and may God be sovereign to that end. If someone comes to church and they're not a Christian, we can share the Scriptures, but we can't give them life. Only God can give them life. Uh, they should see that they're opposed to God because that's how God frames them in Acts 4. Uh, they're part of the opposition party. How can they be saved? By turning to the name of Jesus. Uh, how can that happen? The Spirit of God must give them life. Uh, may they appeal to God to give them life. The Spirit uh, and the Sovereign God uh, will answer uh, as only the Sovereign God can do. That's why the entire witnessing process in your life, in the life of the church of Acts 4, in the life of our church from beginning to end, should be in control of the one true God. That His theology drives our content, our praise, our worship, and our prayer for continued witness. May it be so. Uh, may it characterize our church life. Uh, because the theology here of Acts 4 is essential to worship. It's essential to witness. 
Uh, and it is primary to trusting God in the midst of the opposition that will certainly come. And yet, God will bless His people because that is what He always does. And His blessings are the sovereign product of His creative power. And may that creative power break upon us every day, uh, recalling the theology and recalling who we are as uh, His witnesses in a fallen, broken world. And may God bless us uh, to that end.